This podcast is brought to you by Villanova University on iTunes U. Please visit us on itunes.villanova.edu. Nova Nation, Villanova, hello. Preliminary round of our Nova Slam. Woo! I want to give a big welcome to all Villanova students as well as all participants from various local colleges. And we can already give ourselves a round of applause for being here. There we go. My name is Madeline Reynolds, and I will be your MC this evening, or as someone already lovingly called me, your Slam C. You can call me your Slamsy. You can catch me weekdays from 9 to 5 in Gary Hall working for our honors program. So, <laughs> a little bit uh, regarding logistics of a Nova Slam that we can go over. So, tonight is the first preliminary round. There'll be another prelim round tomorrow at 7 o'clock. And following that will be the finals. Now, five participants from this evening, our top five performers, will move on. Um, we can also go over a little bit of how um, judging works as well. So, for our judging, each poem must be of the poet's own construction. Um, pieces can be performed individually or in groups. Now, each poetry piece is allotted three minutes plus a 10-second grace period. Now, if you go over um, that 10-second grace period, you will lose a point um, every 20 seconds over. So keep that in mind. We are timing. Uh, only one entry per person. Um, we obviously encourage creative expression. Please be mindful of language um, and the audience you're presenting to. Um, we are a community that very much honors and respects uh, one another. So please keep that in mind um, in terms of the message um, of your poetry. Now, what will you be judged on by our three wonderful judges who have given their time? Uh, physical presence, vocal, um, and articulation, so voice and articulation, your dramatic appropriateness, and your overall performance will be judged on a scale of one through six. So let's already give it up for our judges who are here this evening. So judge number one is a returning judge and Villanova senior Indigo Brunson. She is a computer science major and communication and theater minor from Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. Give it up for Indigo. <laughs> judge number two is James Butler. He is a first year graduate student in English from Raleigh, North Carolina. Give it up for James. And our third judge in the middle is Dr. Chijiokoma. He is the director of African Studies. He also teaches within English and ACS. Give it up for Dr. Akoma. All right, so is everyone ready? Are we ready? 
Woo! Okay, so let's welcome, <laughs> let's welcome to the stage our first participant, Miss Marisol Rosado Perez, who coincidentally was our winner last year. Give it up. My name is Marisol. Hi, my name is Marielle. <laughs> and uh, we're not competing. Um, this is my metamorphosis. <clears throat> this is for the people who can only see the girl that yelled and not the girl who was screaming for help. The Puerto Rican girl from New York City who was used to putting on her tough girl persona. She wore big hooped earrings, spoke slang, and walked with an air of I don't care. All of you standing before me shame me for my words. Being afraid of every shadow and the possibility of rape was always a concern. She was raised with the words, be careful of what you wear because they will take advantage. Victim blaming was an idea she grew up with, but a term she did not know was wrong. All of you chose to label me angry, marginalize me again into the position of rebel, delinquent, countercultural, opinionated. You missed the point. Shoulders strong, scowl on her face. No stranger knew the brightness behind her smile. She was never given an opportunity to flourish on those concrete streets. She wore the uniform that is expected of all New Yorkers on the train. Do not make eye contact. Don't touch someone else's hand when holding onto the pole. Do not smile at anyone. When will you be brave enough to see that I was not targeting you? My arrows were not meant to hurt, but to awaken. I am told to ignite change, so I set the forest ablaze and tried to send smoke signals as an SOS, but was left alone with nothing but my thoughts. A smile is an invitation, a sign of vulnerability, a dog belly up waiting for a scratch. She was steel on the outside, but held sunshine within her soul. The only place this girl could open up was when she was surrounded by those who understood her burden. How can you sit there snapping at my words in solidarity with my pain, in agreement with the shame I felt, and do nothing? What will it take for all of us to see that this pain does not solely belong to me? I speak for myself because no church can preach about my wealth as a human. Why did you ignore my dignity and push me to the side as if I did not deserve a spotlight? Does my voice mean so little? Are my experiences too raw to comprehend? She did not want to be limited by other people's perceptions. She well, was challenging the status quo in small ways that were only recognizable if you knew her. Well, let me make it easier for you to understand. You see, my home is not a home for me. It causes me to become numb to the reality that is my lack of sanity. And all I can do is walk in and out as periods of rest come and go. This year, I went home for Christmas break and wanted nothing to be back at school. The depression she has taints me. When we share one bed, I swear every night some of her pain creeps into me. The longer we spend together, the heavier I feel, the more difficult it becomes to crawl out of that futon and see the light of day. Looking in the mirror is an out-of-body experience because I'm not the person who came home from finals. Five pounds lighter because food stamps is not enough. The clutter, the mess, her hoarding gets worse every time I leave. Is she replacing me with the trash off the street to heal her wounds but leaves no space for me to return? 
Finally, she was presented with an opportunity to escape. She was welcomed into the community with praise and signs as if she were royalty. She heard the words, you are here, therefore you are great. She was sickened by the idea that those who attended this institution were the blue bloods of their generation. So much pressure put on someone who did not feel worthy. So much pressure on someone who did not see those who looked like her when she extended her arms, alienated, alone. How could she feel comfortable if those who identified with her were the ones she did not want to identify with? She finally had an opportunity to leave the concrete that insulated the anger, an opportunity to shed her steel and let go. She leapt out of her steel shell, and it felt great. The weight of her armor was heavier than she realized, and it was only when she took it off that she learned that growing within her was a beautiful person trapped by the shiny steel. All those years of oppression, and somehow that person managed to germinate. Somehow that person remained unwavered by the countless amounts of shunnings, beatings, and tears. Somehow that person grew, grew within her every single day and became resilient. And you, you shamed me for reaching my breaking point one year ago today. Within the institution that gave her no foundation, she made her own. Fitting in was of no concern for her. Out of her chrysalis and through the metamorphosis that was lifelong, she emerged a leader, a voice for herself and those who identified with her because of who she was on the inside. Like bees to honey, hordes of individuals became part of her social network. In all her life, this girl had never felt freer. She was on her way to becoming a woman and not stopping for anyone. You did not ask me how or why I said what I screamed. Control was always in her hands, the ball always in her court, until the day it wasn't. The day that she will never forget as long as she lives, breathes, and smiles. It hurts to look into his eyes. It hurts to watch the movement of his hands as they move so freely, while knowing that somewhere within her, in the pits of her past, she desires to take back her control by ending his reign. The ninth is supposed to protect me, and yet you're so healthy. Everyone loves to relish in the glow of your celebrity, but no one knows what you took from me. No lawsuit for you, not even a slap on the wrist. Yet I can't sleep without imagining this. The boulders on the side of my hips, the heat, of, the heat on my neck from your lips, the drops of the red cup you couldn't hold up. The rocks slide down into the abyss, and I'm questioning who taught you this? Who gave you reign to control another person's pain? All I wanted to do was dance, a chance to release the stress of the week, you know, take a step back and be free. But that night, in the corner near the speaker, you crushed my curiosity, stole my sense of security and unity. Where was your integrity when you drove your hands into my shirt? What were you seeking in my bra? You disregarded the sanctity of my temple, my body, and still you go on, and still you win awards, and still you are the champion. It was only when she was told that forgiveness is not for the other person, but for you, that she came to understand her life once again. She was not to blame. She needed to forgive herself. She may have had her control taken away, but the moment she stood up for herself is the moment she learned to walk again. I've known from the start that I did not belong, and no matter how hard I tried, we never really got along. But that's okay. I don't measure my success on your scale anymore. Keep the name tags, the positions, the silver plates, the quarter zips and scholarships. Once, I was begging for your guidance, your hand, and your prestige to help me, but I'm not the same person I was a year ago. Feel free to take me, try to break me, shoot me, and maim me. You can no longer drive me crazy. This abusive relationship ends in May, and I'm so happy that I'm alive today because someone has to warn the rest that this place is far from the best.
We were very lucky to have Marisol start us off with such a powerful and beautiful performance. I'd now like to welcome to the stage number two, Kyra Kruger. Snap it up, snap it up. Shake the water from your hair, girl. I know right now it may feel wet and heavy. In fact, your head hangs so low, I wonder what ocean you've got strapped to your skull. You see, you hold your body like a glacier, on the surface straight and strong, but underneath the waterline lies a jagged kingdom. Each peak and valley you traverse day by day, doubt whispers out of each nook and cranny, each cove and cave, and surrounded by the blue air, we only see what you want us to. So you've got to pick up that head, girl. You've got to wring out those soaked locks with your own two hands, because I don't know how empty you feel like a hollowed out ice cube. I don't know what it's like to become so hard that one tap, one crack will shatter me. I can't fathom being stretched so thin like a spilt glass of water, one minute held together and the next every atom being pulled apart. I don't know how it feels to have my body cut and ripped into valleys by these waters, pockmarked by teardrops and acid rain. I don't know what skin is like when it's covered in puddles. What do I know? I know how the pain of another can hang limp and loose from shoulders too weak to carry your world, you see. Atlas never had to stand on waves. Late nights, I listen to your broken whispers, and I know how a phone in the hand can feel like a stone on the chest, trapped under my own river of fear. I scratch my way to the surface, broken skin and nails against rock, lungs thick with silt and clay to get to you. I know what it's like to break the trust of loose-lipped confessions because I am leaking from the inside out, don't know how to help you on my own because each time I drag you onto solid ground, I am reminded that you can take the girl out of the water but not the water out of the girl because each time I get you flat-footed in open air, you cry yourself back into an ocean. And if the windows in your chest open any wider, Darling, I'll start to smell the sea air. Can't face the sea air, darling. Won't be able to swim my way out of the riptide as it leaks from your pores. Because if your body goes, all you'll leave behind is a tsunami. And darling, I can't stand the stick of salt to my skin at the end. So shake the water from your hair, girl. Save us both from these depths. Kira, thank you. Quick announcement, if you are participating this evening, if you could make sure you're a little bit closer to the stage, we'll let you know who's up and who's next on deck. So next up is Matthew Graves, Greaves, and on deck is Catherine Scorbora. 
I'm probably saying that wrong and I apologize. So Matthew, you're up next. And Catherine, you're after him. You have Matt. Matt, going once. Matthew. Hello guys, uh, all right, here we go. <clears throat> when I get on trains, there are two kinds of seats to me. The ones that face forward and the ones that face backwards. They all move in the same direction and I always pick the one facing backwards. They are more exciting. That rush, that thrill of inevitably moving in the right direction but not knowing what's coming captivates me. It captivated us. Whenever we took the train, we naturally always sat in those seats. And forward backwards we went, with your pretty little head resting on my shoulder. But then I peeked, we peeked forward. But you stopped, and I continued, and I continued to tell you of what you and I were traveling to. And then you stood up and got off, and I stayed, longing for and looking at the past. We shouldn't have peaked. I should have stopped. Maybe it scared you away. I'm sorry. All I want is for us to travel forward backwards together again. All right, next up is Catherine, and on deck is Lucy Minicozzi. So this goes out to all the friends who speak to our suffering. Um, and the God who speaks through them. You call me child when I tell you how I crawled out of bed this morning. Couldn't even lift my legs, just shifted my weight from being on a surface to off of it. And the effort it took to move one foot. The air outside my window, so dark and so heavy, and the classroom I had to walk to feeling like a million miles away. And you say, mmm, child, and close your eyes like you're remembering, as if you know. 
as if you've been there. Because you do know. Because you have been there. You see, you and I continue to carry our past on our backs like crosses. But you, with a nurse's hands and a mother's heart, you have been always been more patient at removing those splinters, never flinching when you catch sight of what lies beneath. Then you call me brave. When I mention last semester's weekly therapy sessions, the ones I forced myself to attend just so I could force someone to hear me vent about every guy who's ever broken me, ever left my heart splattered on the sidewalk, frying under a too hot sun, I do not feel brave. I feel like a bruised peach, like skinned knee after skinned knee. I feel like every tree that's ever been knocked down by a storm. But you call me healed. You call me whole. When I carry, no, when I drag this body, this soul, to the altar we set up together, shaking fingers, lighting a thousand candles, offering everything to a God we've never seen but know is there. O ye of a greater faith, I call you sunset. I call you safety net. We call him savior. But it was you who rescued this sinking ship. It was you who steered it safely back to the harbor. That was for Holly. All right, not on, there we go. So Lucy is up next, Corey Sweeney is on deck, but audience, could I get just some snaps going? I feel like we need to practice our snaps. There we go. Perfect, sounds good. Perfect. <laughs> Do we have Lucy? Now I need someone to breathe me back to life. Got a feeling that I'm going under But I know that I'll make it out alive If I quit calling you my lover Move on You watch me bleed until I can't breathe I begin my morning by blinking the sleep from my eyes And letting out a, a little yawn perhaps I look out onto sunny skies, count the clouds as they pass by, but all of that becomes a distant dream when I realize, oh God, it's Tuesday again. <laughs> the skies turn dark as I recall my memories of Tuesday's past and what Tuesday's more will bring. Because as I dress and think of my trek up campus, my mind is dominated by thoughts of that building, that accursed building, where dreams of air conditioning go to die. Yes, that building weighs on my mind. Navigating my dread is hard to avoid. Almost as hard as those staircases that randomly don't go to the third floor. Like seriously, what? And my learning is inhibited whenever I'm forced to listen to the thunder storming outside, deafening the students. Oh wait, that's the window units. 
You can almost hear the liberal arts kids crying out, Driscoll. But alas, we're only there for one class. I fear those woes will echo throughout time because of that accursed building, the bane of my existence, Tallentine. I think we, I think we all can appreciate those words about Tolentine. I know I can. Uh, so Corey is up next, and on deck is Diego. Ninety-seven and a full head of hair. Ninety-seven and a full head of hair. Chinese. His name is Ken Lee. But I call him Grandpa. I remember an age where I was so small. Small like the freckles that paint my face. I would bang my head into doorknobs and I couldn't see myself in the mirror. Our, our front door had a broken doorbell and on Halloween Kids would bring it to no avail. At night, my sister and I would drop our hands into a black cauldron of candy left behind. And it was at this age I remember seeing my sister cry because some parents said her father killed my grandfather, Ken Lee, in the war. Five years later, they called me Yao because I was tall. And the worst part of it all was I enjoyed it. These were my friends, my white Friends, I'm white, right? I'm half, that counts. A couple years later, they called me Twinkie. White on the inside, yellow on the out. They're on my side, I thought. Sometimes, they call me Linsanity. These are my teammates, I played basketball with them. It was fitting. A team is like a family, I belonged. But now, now the names sound different. Now they call me Chink or Gook. I, I was at a baseball game wearing sunglasses, and the guy behind me was sitting behind me said, are you wearing those glasses because you're a chink? Have you ever been tired, haunted by late night thoughts, staring into the shades of the night? I was deceived. My mind was tricked. No, an illusion that I belonged, that their trite songs could lull my race to rest. Did I really do my best to be white? Did I fail? Now who do I pander to, you or you, or the white man inside me? His voice begs for a melody, a, a garnished symphony rarely sung. Slowly the song settles in my lungs, it's getting harder to breathe, and it's like drowning in a ceaseless black sea, it's hard. My, my own body attacks as I howl through the cracks of my painted face, my painted freckles, my skin feels laced with a carousel of needles that pins its way into my nerve endings. And now my head spins. Am I not my mother's jade eyes? Am I not my father's clover smile? Please just tell me, who do I belong to? I do not know. 
and the more I think about it, I think of my grandfather, Ken Lee, and what I must be, 97 and a full head of hair. I dream silent all to myself, put on this cold front, push the blizzard through my veins, because one day you all will call me by my name. I'm good? Oh, there we go. All right. Um, good evening. My name is Diego. Um, the title of this piece is Manic Depressive or Simply Bipolar. I can't make up my mind. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to remind you all this is just a performance, nothing more. Are you listening closely? Perhaps a little, mostly. I merely wish to have your attention. I do not intend to induce any tension. I merely seek some form of validation to ease my execution of this narration, fueled by an inner frustration hiding within this presentation. There are social norms I sometimes defy. Occasionally, without knowing, sometimes I try. Sometimes I do like to abide, feel like an everyday normal guy. But some days when I try, my tongue gets tied. I'm nearing a cliff I cannot mount. It makes me feel like I can't amount to my own expectations. I think I've met my own limitations. My footing is stumbling. My discipline is crumbling. The war to get out of bed, the trek to grab my meds, they're supposed to aid, they're meant to mend it, but they're tasteless and pointless instead. It sits and festers. It relentlessly pesters with its intrusive thoughts. They dwell in my head, they know no bounds. They wander aloud, twirling around and bouncing about till my crippling self-doubt explodes in a shout. Despite my pleas, I'm brought to my knees at the ultimate mercy of a somber thought, a disheartening force that cannot be fought. It can merely be tolerated, never obliterated. It gnaws at the frontal lobe of my brain. I've done it for so long. I'm numb to the pain. Now hold on there, you adolescent teen. There's no need to be a drama queen. Don't you think you're being just a little bit dramatic? Fact is, you're not a spastic or an addict. If you feel ill, just take another pill. Or watch some Dr. Phil. 
Now the world's not gonna wait for you to grow up, young man. So it's about time you start giving a damn. Yes, it's my fault. I can't bring these thoughts to a halt. I wish you told me that ages ago. I could have brought an end to this horrible woe. It bothers me that it smothers me. It enrages me that it encages me. How can it make you feel without free will? How can a force like the mind lead to blind? And I get so tense because it doesn't make sense and it makes me feel so dense. So I'm on the fence. Hence, I wonder whether to sever the tether that's stopping from making me better. A revisiting force that makes me feel so impulsive and with every single visit, I feel more so repulsive. It's a scratch I must itch, a wound I must unstitch. Even more so when people are calling it being a little bitch. I pitter and I patter, I stutter and I stammer, so till my death, till my dying breath, I'll continue to sputter like the little engine that could. But he did pretty good. He made it through. Maybe I could be the little fool that could. I mean, I really am a little fool, mostly. Are you listening closely? Thank you. All right, Opeami, you are up next. Victoria Cho, you are on deck. We're gonna have our first judges check-in. Judge number two, James Butler, can you tell us what you're looking for as you're watching these performances? Uh, I mean, effective emotion, like con con conveying emotion effectively throughout the performance and I guess intentionality of what um, the kind of movement and uh, specific uh, vocal performance, I guess. Perfect. All right, do we have our next Opayami? Going once. Opie. We'll use nicknames. Oh. There you are. All right. Thank you for our judges' check-in as well. Suddenly, Ooh, this is loud. Okay. the hustle and bustle of the town settles, leaving the street to become a turf for free movement. Traffic lights clicked from yellow-red, red-green, green-yellow, and back again. The sound of one car's engine trailed the road alone in the distance. Suddenly, silence sweeps in. Winds come in and blow eccentrically throughout the town. Trash cans are knocked down, Trees are swayed side to side. Loud crashes from branches breaking are heard throughout the area. Cable wires swing fiercely from, from street side to street side. The life that was not too long ago present in the streets no longer exists. Everything is at the command of the great beast that is to come. 
Houses jump with every thud and thump from outside. Lights flash and twitch as if coding a warning for what is to come. Silence, anxiety, and fear begins to cover over the life that was not too long ago present in homes. The trifold of emotions is not only present in the eyes of the curious and youthful, but also in the eyes of those who have seen more storms in their lifetime, but none like this. Evening falls into night, night into morning. Time drags on like an internal clock frozen from anticipation. Suddenly, everything is still. All right, Victoria, you are up next. David Shen, you are on deck. She's ready to go, all right. This poem is called, Hey You. To the guy hanging out of your stupid, loud pickup truck. Let me ask, if you were in about to drive away the second the light turned green, would you have snapped that picture of me? In my shapeless sweater and ripped jeans, I'm sure I was a walking sex dream that you just had to get a picture of. I swear, if I hadn't happened so fast, I swear I would have taken that, your phone and snapped it in half, but click and you're gone. But hey, that's okay, I got to see you around again. You look a little different, sure. A different snapback repping another team or maybe an Oxford button up this time. Prim and proper, but same in principle when you open your mouth. That brand of bigotry leaves a distinctive scent. I'd recognize it anywhere. You're that ogling guy at the beach, that boy in the bar who leans in too close trying to look down my shirt. That kid on the bus who says ni hao to me. Grinning and expecting for, for what? The Asian girl to fall into your arms? Do you expect that kind of reward? I know, you think what you're doing is flattery. It's a compliment, baby. I'm just being nice. Don't take it the wrong way. But trust me, you're not impressing anyone. I wanna say back, I am not a walking advertisement placed here for your viewing pleasure. You do not get an opinion on what I wear, what I am doing, who I am. I wanna shout, I am so much more than what you have reduced me into. But I walk away with clenched fists because you drove away. You will not remember this, but I will remember this violation for the rest of my life. You pointing your phone at me and telling me to smile. You can't face someone who is not there, and so you get off scotch-free in your little win of silencing me. You remain ignorant and self-righteous, but I'm the one who slinks away, feeling dirty and angry that I could be brought low by someone like you. You. How dare you? 
I want to hold a mirror up to you, but I don't know if my arms are strong enough to hold one up large enough to reflect your sexism in all its ugliness. But I hope when I do, I hope that shame flushes your face because how dare you hold that much power to make me ashamed. All right, so we have David Shin up next. Yolanda Jordan, you are on deck. Did we talk about prizes? So third prize, when it's all said and over, is $50. Second prize is $100, and first prize is $200. So snaps for that as we welcome David. titled, To That Ignorant High School Kid I Ran To Years Ago. <laughs> Did you mean for me to become one of your exhibits? You scoff and scorn at me. Try to place me in one of your preconceived labels. Disappointed when I don't fit in, you cast me off. I wonder why you look at me as if I'm some sort of exotic animal. Your eyes can only focus on what you see. You can see my eyes. Wait, I don't have eyes not according to you, and my lovely yellow skin, as you like to call it. I'm sickened by your appropriation of my people. You lump us into one single race, and you never consider us different. And when you do, it's always either China or Japan, <laughs> then it's North or South. You treat my culture as if it's some piece of clothing to wear, my beliefs as if there were some sort of food to eat. You like my music, but you fail to understand the meaning behind it. And you look over my history, but you say you understand my history. And worst of all, you laugh at my accent, but praise me when I sound like you. Well, I'm pleased to say that your attempts of labeling failed. I'm neither those pictures you paint, nor am I those actors on television. But maybe, if you focus on the similarities, you wouldn't be so blind to the fact that we're both human. Yolanda Jordan is up next. On deck is Gracie and Alex. Woo! Before I would go to sleep, I would say these words. Now I lay me down asleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But these words have glued my mouth shut. This is not a goodbye. When I utter the last syllable, do not pity me, do not count my tears. Each tear is another demon escaping. It's another scar escaping. It's another I hate you escaping. My heart escaped. I want my heart back. These monsters live inside of its empty cavity, festering, layering themselves under ice, making sure nothing escapes. That's probably why my favorite movie is Frozen. <laughs> Maya Angelou told me to know my worth. 
but I keep turning my gold coins to copper and my diamonds to glass. I can never call myself credible because my card kept declining. <laughs> my happiness was faker than a $20 Gucci bag bought off the streets. It only took 50 seconds to streak blood across my pristine skin. I've always been fascinated with how blood never shows its true colors once it's in my sight. It's funny how a darkened soul can seem all right. If life was a game, my controller was never plugged in. If it was a race I had lost before it even begins, I toss and turn at night, calling out for help, but my calls keep going to voicemail. Now either God is changing his number or we keep getting disconnected because the only footprints in the sand are mine and my feet are dragging. I'm tired of fighting gun battles with sticks. I'm tired of sucking out venom and being forced to swallow it today. I'm living for me. Don't shove your dreams down my throat because I'm not hungry for them. Pay for my attention because my words are wise and golden. Cherish my smile because it took a lot to put it there. Embrace my crazy because it was the last thing I had to hold on to. I'm finally able to sleep with the light off because I'm not afraid of the darkness taking me. The best thing I decided to do was live to be me. The best thing I decided to do was live. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Bitter days will help you grow. It's just another pill to swallow. So as the rapper Neo said on his song with Fabulous, I'm a movement by myself, but I'm a force when we're together. I'd like to welcome Gracie and Alex, our team. And on deck is Keenan Griggs. Gracie and Alex? Yeah? No? Gracie and Alex, going once. Yes? No? We can go to Keenan Griggs. Keenan? All right here? All right. So again, tonight is the first prelim round. Five of our contestants will go on and move forward. And then tomorrow night is another prelim followed by the final round. And let's welcome Keenan. How's everybody doing today? To be black in America is to be a diamond in the rough that's lost its shine due to being roughed up so many times. See, we used to be a nuisance, so they hung us from nooses where blood dripped from the leaves like secrets do from loose lips. To be black in America is to come second place in a race that you've helped build with blood, sweat, and tears, parents and children, only to come up short because your opponent has a brighter production of melanin. To be black in America is to be stereotyped with stereos blasting, shooting peeps, shooting hoops, or making a living rapping. To be black in America is Frederick Douglass, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King. We used to be kings if you didn't know. They used to refer to us as pharaohs. Maybe that's why I don't want you to call me your N-word. I'm black and I'm angry, but I'm happy to be here. I just want to make that clear. See, to grab your attention, I reeled out what I thought was real. There's no medicine that can heal. There's no justification when someone thinks they could take my life from this nation. I'm a citizen, and when I sit my son down 10 years from now, I want him to proclaim with no shame the words of the late James Brown, I'm black and I'm proud. 
And I'm not going to teach him to be colorblind. Because I don't want him to be blind to the fact that she's black or he's white. Because we're different and that's all right. We should respect the colors of the spectrum, whether your favorite rapper is Kendrick or Drake or Eminem, whether you like country or slow jams, whether you do a two-step or don't dance. And it sucks that a precedent was set for our president because his color opposed the opponent. Freedom is never free. It comes with a hidden fee. Liberty comes at a cost, the price being lives lost. And that's just how I feel. See, I love rap. I, I, I like a little bit of rock. I'm not a fan of country. I like to dance the pop. I don't sag my pants. I love the dance. Check my hair, it's nappy. You look at my smile and you assume that I'm happy. Wait, what am I talking about? I'm talking about being black in America. See, to be black in America is love. Love for Mother Nature, Father Time, love for one another. Forget color. According to the Bible, you're either my sister or my brother. Love to God. Word to Mary and Joseph. And if you're not religious, man, one love can hold us. <laughs> Whatever you do, stay focused. Have a plan. Wait, wait, let me backtrack. I was telling you what it's like to be black. See, to be black in America is to be a suspect in a crime committed against you. They make it hard to live if you're a black woman or black man. And I'm sure you've read about it. I'm sure you've seen it in the newspapers. I'm sure you might have witnessed it. But if you're not a person of color, I don't think you'll ever understand. And that's just how I feel. All right. Next up, we have Merritt, and on deck is Colin. Also want to give a huge shout out to those who sponsored Novaslam, the Center for Peace and Justice, our creative writing program, the Department of Communication, um, Division of Student Life, the Gender and Women's Studies program, the Honors program, the Office of Diversity and Inclusion, and the program on intergroup relations. They deserve some snaps as well. All right, let's welcome Merritt. I stand on the edge of an abyss, buttoned down to the nines, wearing a blazer of black, and I wonder who he would have been as I look at familiar eyes that can no longer look back. There used to be four of us, she was a girl made from true love and shattered glass, looking for acceptance and affection among the class. But what she didn't know was that she wasn't designed to weather anything. Each day was always something new. She would clap too hard so her wrists would collapse. She would skip to class so her ankles would shatter. She would play basketball. She loved basketball, only to have her mother tell her she could never throw again. Her heart held her hostage while doctors caused complications for the surgeons whose only solution for anything was to taper back up together like Humpty fucking Dumpty until, until when she walked, you would cringe as her body screeched and hymned and whirred like a car built too many years ago. 
And every month she wore a different cast, the school constantly losing the written names of friends till there were none left. And she wasn't wrong when she'd yell, this isn't fair. I can't take it anymore. This isn't what life was meant to be. He was a friend who was crafted differently. Popping pills he didn't want to treat things he didn't have, all to make very visible, invisible pain go away. And yet he cried every night against his will, like a puppet used in the wrong kid's play. And when he finally drunk enough to finally smile, if for just a moment his half-life body was restrained and he was sent for exile. But this is the tightrope we walk every day, mixed with problems that force those to fall, some a few feet, some off a building. So when you come to greet me and tell me I'm, you're sorry for my loss, do you honestly realize just how lucky you actually are? To not be broken through and through by a hand, a hand you're supposed to worship as if believing his existence would merit that you would be fixed in some way, someday, but my faith would only decay. Take this rough canvas of mine, and when you come to build your narrative with me, paint anything but yourself for once. For I am not who you were then, and if you can't think of anything to paint or to say when you approach, look a little longer, aim a little higher, until your eyes lock to with mine so that you can see that behind this scarred face is blood, sinew, and fat all working together to say, I love you, from life and death. We are all just people in a world getting angry over ourselves, but when the end came to my friend, I realized he is no longer an open question. I now know who you were, and you were taken for granted. Thank you. All right, so Colin, we are gonna keep you on deck because we have found our duo, Gracie and Alex. They are here and they're ready to go. <laughs> so let's get them some snaps. Welcome them to the stage. Does it work? Yeah? Check. No, it's not working. Check. Okay, we're good. You're everywhere. But here. I've been waiting through the fog, waiting for it to clear. But waiting never got anyone anywhere. You're, You're everywhere. everywhere. But in our bed. I'm in your heart. You're in my head. You try to forgive, 
and I to forget. Search my mind for peace. Instead, you're, you're everywhere. everywhere. Taking over parts of me that I never let you have. Clouding up my next life with words you've never said. I wish you had. Wish you'd be everywhere. everywhere but here to stay. <sighs> Forgot what I came here to say. Lately, I've been hearing things. But still, somehow, your voice remains everywhere. everywhere. In everything that I do. Been thinking about running away just to escape my thoughts of you. It's useless. Can't think about you less. All that my mind seems to choose to hold on to is you. You, who I knew is best at getting me through stress. Said you'd hate it if everything changed. And yes, I do miss you. With your cold hands, hold them in public, laughing like old friends. Two souls in a symbiosis slow dance. It was more than just romance with you. You tell me I can't hide forever, but I could try. It's not a matter of being invisible, but of shielding your eyes from the parts of me that you won't want to see. Said it was you, you but we, we both, both know, know it's, it's me. me. Walking through the streets, eyes never leave the sky, except to look ahead. Never look back, except to see you when you said, where, where are you going? It wasn't you leaving, but me not knowing that, that I, I hurt you when, when you I left. left. What, what gave, gave you, you the right? right? In crowded caverns, you were everywhere, my open space and my light. Through the sky in your eyes, I could see the stars. But now the only thing that's hidden up my sleeve are scars. We're, We're so, so far, far gone, gone now. Wish I'd never looked ahead. Sometimes it's better never to dream of space, because you might not get there. But I couldn't help myself. You said we'd go everywhere together. Thought you'd left me alone, but the things we lose have a way of being found. Looked around, and you're, you're everywhere. everywhere. Thank you. All right, now we can welcome Colin Lubner. There we go. <laughs> and on deck is Gus Jenkins. Hello, hello, hi. Yeah, yeah cool. Okay, this is called In Summation. Age one, smiling, shitting, loving, unaware that the earth was and is 12,742 kilometers wide, give or take. Now the solar system is a fat ass. The solar system pushes 287.46 billion kilometers, give or take. And the universe is a bunch, a bunch of kilometers, 93 billion light years, which is a whole bunch of light years, and a light year is a whole bunch of kilometers. Here's a definition, star shit. The washed-up detritus of stars, their corpses, the negative of a nova. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Us. <laughs> On speed. The fastest a human is clocked in at is 28 miles per hour. The fastest a human is clocked in at by cheating is 2,193.2 miles per hour. The solar system is hurling round and round like some spinning top at 515,000 miles per hour. Our universe is hurling out and out. And <laughs> look, here I wrote slow. 
74.3 kilometers per second per megaparsec. What the hell is a megaparsec? <laughs> Age 10, fastest I've ever run, some beach, some seagull screaming, some seawater gray, not green. It was sunny. It was really fucking poetic. Fact, if the universe were the size of the earth, the earth will be smaller than an atom. Possibly, probably not. I, I just made that up. But, <laughs> but, but bear with me. As far as things feel, the earth is even smaller than that, smaller than a quark. Let's call it a, a quark. Let's say a quark, well, seven billion quarks make up a quark, sure. In summation, youth like the earth is a very fast, very small thing that feels a hell of a lot smaller and slower than it is. Age 14, smallest I've ever felt, pants down around my ankles like some aborted cocoon. Paging through some magazine or website, you know the sort. 14, there were seven billion people in the world and I was alone and that was a 14 year old's truth. Age 19, my favorite number. I won't, I can't explain, and when I realized this, did you know that quantum superposition necessitates a multiverse? So the universe was tiny. Great, fucking great. The multiverse was now 93 billion light years times infinity wide. The Earth was now one quirk divided by infinity or zero. And it was and is beautiful. I was and am one of seven billion specks pimpling an Earth the size of a quirk divided by infinity. I knew this, know this, prose and poetry necessitate causation, the universe does not. I'm 20, and no constellation, no ordering, no summation, but for 20 years, which amounts to 7,305 days, including leap years, I have been cynical and cyclical as star shit and other bowel movements, and it seems the Earth's tilt is still constant and ever balancing, and e to the pi i somehow still equals one, and quantum superposition still necessitates a multiverse. We are bound to fall apart and drift coldly alone, but math stacks infinities like markered VHS tapes. And in this small way, love is ever manifesting and defies our creation's finitude. I am one of seven billion quirks. The year is 2016 and my year is 20. Gus Jenkins is up, Duncan is on deck, and we have an announcement PSA from our lovely timekeeper. Hi, everyone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know I'm loud, but I'm not that loud, I think. Um, my name is Eileen Kelly. Um, I'm not performing this year, but I'll be emceeing tomorrow. I am also the founder and president of the Villanova Poetry Society. And so, yeah. Woo! All right. Um, established last year, we are just a community of writers, and we like to read poetry and write poetry together, and sometimes just hang out and eat snacks, but mostly poetry stuff. Um, if you're interested in being a member, we have weekly or bi-weekly or whenever we feel like it meetings, and sometimes go to Poetry Slams in Philly if we can figure out how to take the train collectively as a group. Um, so um, I'm sitting next to the stage and you can come see me. And if you liked any of the work by uh, Yojo or Alex and Gracie, um, they are some of our lovely members and you could be just as lovely as them. Thank you. Let's give it up. All right, let's welcome Gus to the stage. Duncan's on deck. Gus. Hey, 
Hi, I'm a little short, so bear with me. Just the other day, I recalled a memory during my early, early adolescence when I went from child to man. She in the driver's seat per usual, I sitting in the, in the seat next to her looking at the side view mirror at Dunkin' Donuts. Gus, she said, when you become a man and you have your own family, you are a rock. No matter what, you love, protect, and provide as the rock of the family. She was the rock of mine. Now, y'all, I, like she, didn't realize I would have to be well before my time, like most black boys in my neighborhood, like that time when our home was burglarized and vandalized, rocks don't cover in fear, they love, protect, and provide, like that time on Christmas when we woke up and we had enough and packed our clothes just to start over, rocks don't cry, they love, protect, and provide, like the time I spent 13 breaths wishing on a candle, hoping that he would walk through the door just to raise me. Rocks don't wait, they love, protect, and provide. And like the time when I would have my own family and I'd know how to, how to be a man. I remember, like my mother, that rocks love, protect, and provide. And when them being stuck in a rock in a hard place, that means to them that they are always loved, protected, and provided for. I am a rock. Thank you. Duncan, you are up next. Matt Sheridan, you are on deck. I want to check in, though, with our returning judge, Indigo. Indigo, what do you think are the differences between this year um, versus last year? I don't know if there's much of a difference because everyone seems to, like, these poems are personal. And the poems are all, that's what I love about poetry. It's personal. It's like they're internalized and everyone knows that, like, like they're being really brave getting up there and sharing a piece of themselves with everyone else. So... It's the same. And I'm, sh and I'm sure that's what we're going to hear from Duncan right now. When I was little, my mom told me I needed to know all the dangers of the world, from the practical to it will practically never happen. She even made a list. I still remember a few of them. Playing with fire, wild animals, Lightning, gambling, flying, dynamite, strangers. I made a new list now of all the things that she never mentioned. And by things, I mean people. And by people, I really just mean you. Because she never mentioned you. You are dangerous. Crocodile sly with a tick-tock heart. I hear coming and it sends shivers from head to tail. When words fail, I am hooked. So you're the stranger, the game changer, making point after point, leading in laughter all time and making me speechless. Sorry. Thank you. You really are dangerous. Um, like dynamite dangerous, you know that? Like, I lit the fuse, and I should really run away from that Looney Tune fire, but I can't run away because you are a burning blaze. A gently 
autumn fire falling, and like the moth to the flame, I can't get away. All time burns away, lost in the inferno, burn, uh, fingertip chemistry. You really are dangerous. A revelation of mystery with all, with the certainty of mountain mists, a complete unknowing as an inch of foot hangs over the edge of nothing. Fear, it's a smell of fear and adrenaline. It's the joy that gasps as a single step. The plummet, the fall, the uncaring Icarus, it's the intensity of the sun. It's the beautiful terror as I hope this all doesn't melt away. God, you are dangerous. A whirlwind winding your way around me. Thank you. God, you are dangerous. A whirlwind winding your way around me at the circle of the center with a single, when the rage is all around, a single misstep and I'm blown down. I'm blinking, unwavering, understanding that you are unavoidable as you match my beat and timing, treading carefully with reckless abandonment. Partner, you don't know how dangerous you are. You don't know what you can do, have done, destroyed. Do you know what you've created? I welcome thunderstorms. I love the way that they smell like clean laundry in a hard day's work. I love the way that each raindrop tastes when I wait for one to land. Like candy lightning, you are the best kind of dangerous. A roll of the die, and there's a cloud of unknowing, and no, I am not good at risk, but please accept my resignation from this stagnation that I hope to be a nation free from isolation because you are my kind of dangerous. And if you ask why, I look at you and see a brightly colored blaze with a hook hand. I am the pan that wanted to be caught. I love you. That's all I needed to know. Matt Sheridan is up next. And while we, yeah. And while we wait for Matt, some fun facts about Poetry Slam. So the first. Poetry Slam was actually in 1988 in New York City. And the first national Poetry Slam was actually in 1990 in San Francisco. And here comes Matt. Okay, this poem is called Scaries. Who knows? Who knows? Whoever it is, I'd like to meet him because I sure don't. But honestly, I don't know if any of us do. I mean, yeah, some of us have our jobs lined up a year in advance, and we know where we stand with our family and our friends and our grades, but do we really know anything? It feels like we don't. I know I don't. And nothing scares me more. Six months from now, I could be living in a city I've never been to, doing a job I've never done, and not knowing a single soul and after basically doing the same things with the same people in the same places for much of my entire life, to now do something totally different is so undeniably scary. I don't even know what I'm doing after this poetry slam. 
I gotta get dinner tonight. I have so much homework to do. Tomorrow's Wednesday. I have so much crap to do on Wednesdays. But then again, who knew I'd be standing on this stage in this first place? You know, I've always kind of hated this kind of thing. And at Villanova University of all places, who knew that I misread that, uh, that chart thingy that they have in all of our guidance halls in, in high school? And you don't actually need straight A's to get to Villanova. So I applied here on a whim. And who knew that some of the most important people I've met here I met because I forgot to sign up for a learning community, lied to my mom that I did, and then got a couple of random roommates. And who knew that after having one boy, my parents were going to have three straight daughters, giving me three best friends, but also one of the greatest conversation pieces ever. People seem to love that, so uh, thanks for that one, Mama. And who knew that I was going to get that free meal at Connolly this morning? That was awesome. And who knew that one summer night, I'd be sitting down, semi-drunk after a party, scrolling through Facebook, something we've all done mindlessly so many millions of times. And I'd see that my aunt got tagged in a Facebook post. And so, you know, I clicked on it curiously. And before I know it, it's a sad, bad movie where the ending is so apparent far before you get to it. Thoughts and prayers to the Sheridans. What? If anyone can get through this jack can, oh no. Hashtag cancer sucks. I found out my cousin had cancer in a hashtag. I've literally never felt lower. But a few years later, he's winning high school baseball championships and he's healthy. He told me recently he might try and come and pitch at Villanova. And can you imagine being higher? So who knows? Who knows what I'm doing after this poetry slam and what I'm going to have for dinner? Maybe I'll go to Chipotle instead, and I'll meet the girl that I marry. Or maybe I'll just have to go to the bathroom really bad. <laughs> and maybe my friend actually will become the president of the United States. He said that in a job interview once. Who says that in a job interview? We haven't stopped clowning on him for that since. But again, who knows? Maybe I'm going to have a nephew who's, I don't know, really good at basketball, and he goes and plays in college, and I can get fired up for college basketball games even when I'm an adult. How fun would that be? And maybe I will be living in a city I've never been to, doing a job that I've never done before, not knowing a single person there. And maybe I'll love it. Maybe I won't. But on second thought, whoever knows, I don't want to meet him. I kind of like not knowing. Thank you, Matt. I want to welcome our final performer, Evan, to the stage. And as we wait for Evan, I just want to check in with our final judge, Dr. Como. One word to describe this night and these performances. One word. It's scintillating. It's, it's really, really, really. So, you know, I'm loving it. Yeah. And now we welcome Evan. Hi. I just, sorry, I don't. Really do mics a lot. Um, okay. I am. I'm not a lot of things. I'm not a D1 athlete, a Rhodes Scholar. I'm your run-of-the-mill college student. 
but I am not average. I am the ideal Vanilla Nova student, and I am not white. But you knew that already. The way my tan skin forms with my different bone structure, the way I act in all my mannerisms, to you something always seems off. You can tell. You can always tell. From a young age, I've always been asked the same damn question. What are you? What's your background? Tell me about your heritage. All code for, tell me why you're a stranger, different. Why I can't put my finger on it. Distant from the truth, but so close to knowing. So I take a deep breath. I am Romanian and Italian. You like this revelation. You see the likeness between the two of us. I am black, not African-American. I do not know the beginnings of my family to that extent. History has undone my family tree by the roots, making it hard to trace my own genesis. Black. Pause, a laugh. You're not black. My expression doesn't change. I don't laugh back. Now you backtrack. You say, cool, how awesome, how ethnically diverse. But in your head, I already know you're thinking of all the quasi-racist shit you said around me. But you didn't know. You're wondering, did you offend? Of course you didn't. How could you? Like you said, I'm only one-fourth, so that doesn't count, right? Now you're rationalizing. Great for you. Fair enough. But what about my grandfather? Does he not count? Do his years of battling through segregation to provide a better life for his family not count? Weeks of serving his country in Korea, protecting life, liberty, and the American dream. Days of giving back to the community. Silent hours he spent in church praying. Do they not count? What about my mom, a biracial child raised in the 60s? Concrete jungle of New York was not kind to her. She who was hated by the black girls for being white, hated by the white for being black. A life of perpetual isolation. <laughs> the irony. I'm a child of an unaccepted Oreo on a campus that walks by me every day. You all pose misly, you smile. I represent your ideals, right? Yes, of course. I've never been through the struggle like my forefathers, never seen race riots, never been denied entry anywhere for my pigmentation, told where to sit, what water I can drink, which for my melanin levels, felt cotton in its rawest form. You think it can be so easy for me to lie about all of this, right? I'm probably lying, definitely. I just want the attention, want to feel different. So I carry a picture of my grandfather around. Doesn't count, you can Photoshop. A joke from a friend where only they get the last laugh. People lie about race all the time, covering up like the white powder we use to brush our faces. But at this point, I act unfazed. I'm 21 years old and I've grown jaded to this experience. Thank God I only have 50 more years of this shit. But hey, if it doesn't count for me, it sure as shit won't count for my kids. A mulatto makes a quadroon, which makes what? An octagon? <laughs> now one-eighth. That's a funny concept to think about. But don't worry, I've done most of that for you already. Blogs, websites, the internet tell me that it doesn't count. So I don't have to worry about teaching the kids about grandma's family. I don't have to worry about washing them in bleach every night, for they will already be whitewashed by society. So thank God my children will not be black. And apparently neither am I. All right, everyone, if we could just give it up to all of our performers. That was our last slam. All right. So stick around. Right now, our judges are tallying up their numbers. Just to go over for a second what they were um, judged on regarding their performances. Again, it was physical presence, voice and articulation, dramatic appropriateness, and overall performance judged on a one through six 
scale. So they're gonna give them a little bit of time to rally together. We're looking for our top five. So let's pump up the music a little bit. We'll take some time, stick around for our top five. All right, everyone. We have our judges have assembled, done all the math, and we are ready to announce our performers who will be going on um, to tomorrow. So again, this was the first round of prelims. There's another round of prelims tomorrow. So join us again here at seven o'clock. And then when that um, is completed, probably around nine o'clock will be the finals. Uh, we actually had a tie, so we will be taking six performers instead of five tomorrow. So starting with our sixth performer, who will be going on with a total score of 63, uh, that is Evan. So snaps for Evan. Tied for fifth and sixth. Uh, Evan is tied uh, at 63 with Gracie and Alex. <laughs> Uh, sitting next um, at 65 points is Victoria. Snaps for Victoria. And then we have Colin sitting at 67. <laughs> okay, so again, we have Evan, Gracie and Alex, uh, Victoria and Colin. So now going on to one and two who also are tied. Perfect scores. At 72, I'd like to announce Yolanda and Keenan. Congratulations. So again, we have six moving forward um, and they will be uh, performing tomorrow night as well. Again, another round of prelims. So I want to give a big shout out to everyone, our wonderful audience. Thank you for the snaps on Nova Slam. My name is Madeline Reynolds. It's been a pleasure to be your slams, your slamsy. Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you again tomorrow night.